0: I mute myself. So I love standing on the promises. In my very first church, and I had a two-point charge back in the day, the choir's, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Their catalog of, of, of hymns were limited. So we'd do standing on the promises about three or four times a year. And every time we got to the standing part, the whole choir would just lean to the right. They're just going standing. So, if you ever see me drift like that, I'm not having a stroke. <laughs> I just always think of them. It was Southern Indiana. So, what do they know down about Southern Indiana? All right, we've been talking. We've been in First Peter, and we'll continue to do so as we plow ahead about what it is to be different. In you know, a world that kind of has a hive mind going on, so this is uh, this is something that is about the radical changing of the world because as you as I say often or often depending on where you're from um, people are people things don't change as much as we think they are that that, that they do so this is um, one of those things that answers the call, Peter is writing to a group of folks who are being picked on by the government as well as by the, uh, their neighbors. And he's trying to embolden them. He's trying to give them a pep talk. And so one of the things that he uses in, in this letter over and over and over again is call or calling or called um, and it's it's something that that he uses to help embolden them to help empower them to help encourage them um, and uh, if you've ever been called into something you recognize the energy that it produces so in the end of the, the fifth grade I got called into the principal's office again. This time I was like, I, I can't think of what I did this time. Ah. And Mrs. Peterson and the teachers at "Kurt, go down to Mrs. Peterson's office. And of course, that in, and, and immediately, all the other kids are kind of smirking at you and going, hmm. And I'm like, what did I do? And, and, and I literally yelled out, I didn't do anything go to Mrs. Peterson's office and then I went to her office. Shockingly, as I walk into her office, she's smiling. And I'm like, what is going on here? And she said, Kurt, I just want you to know that you've been chosen to be on the safety patrol. Now, those of you that know what that means. Uh, that's a big deal. I think I've talked about this before. It's one of the the higher offices I've ever held, <laughs> and uh, the impact on me was immediate because I saw what it is that it was. You were chosen out of all of your peers to, in essence, be set apart. Uh, and, and to take care of them. That was, that was the idea. You could take care of them, because back in the day, um, it's not like today, where if you, if you live more than a block away, they bus you into school. Um, you walked three miles uphill both ways, in the, you know, in the snow, right? We all remember that. So everyone walked to school. And so the safeties kept kids from running out in the street. When they weren't supposed to, we'd stand there. We had our belt and we had our badge. We had the symbols of power and everything. And I knew this. And we, we, if there was a kid that was wanted to run across the street, you, you got a chance to grab a hold of them and said, No, you're not going to go. And, and you had some power. And also during fire drills, you had your own assignment. So the fire drill goes off and all the kids are supposed to stand in line and go out. Not the safety patrol. We got up and uh, took our belts with us. You didn't have to put it on, but you had to be able to show. And you defied the teachers. As they emptied the kids out of their rooms, you checked and looked under the desks um, why they had there was a real fire why you'd have kids be kind of lasses beyond me but this was 1970 what, what are you going to do and uh, you know made sure that it was on then you turned the light off and you knew that that room was clear um, that was real power when you're a fifth grader and uh, so that was, that was arguably some say I peaked then And uh, I can't disagree with that. We're talking about the things that separate us from the rest of the culture and the rest of the world. And Peter discusses three separate things that we're called to be about. And we're going to go through that. The first two we're going to kind of go through quickly and we're really going to focus on the third one. The, The first call for those of you taking notes, is it is an eternal call to Christ. That is the Holy Spirit working today all over the world, winning people towards him, um, wooing people towards him, um, trying to draw people in so that they have the opportunity to hear his voice and be where he's at. It is the eternal call of Christ that we answer. Number two is is as a temporary a call to a temporary assignment, and it's like being the safety for for all of sixth grade. I was a safety, and then it was time to do something. People tend to get excited about that. They <coughs> they can see visions of a temporary call, whether it's a, a ministry. A kid's ministry, a new mom's ministry, or, or a, 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 a vocation in life. Some people are called to be teachers. Uh, some people feel they're called to be uh, uh, in law enforcement. Some people, I felt that I was called into the Army. I've told you that story. And the, we have these things, and the energy that it generates and the focus that we put into it, those um Those are responses to what God is uh, sending us. We, We hear the voice specifically for that. And the third call, which we're going to talk about, that is for everybody, is the fact that we are called to a different standard of life than the rest of the world something that sets us apart. God is calling us daily to a different standard. And we, we talk about callings and the direction that they, that they take us. We think about what we're called to do. But God thinks about the who first. He thinks about who, the who, before he thinks about the do. Our God is more concerned with who we are than what we do, because if the who isn't right, then the do will lose its track. And so that is what we will continue to struggle with every day. It says in uh, verse 9 of the, of the second chapter of Peter of 1 of Peter it says but and, and this is telling us exactly who we are. Just so we know that's Peter's one of Peter's goals in this letter is to make sure that the people that he's talking to don't lose track in the midst of their strife and persecution of who they are. He emboldens them. He gives them the strength through his words, and he clarifies the meaning of what it is to be the followers of Jesus. And he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who's called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Those are great words. Those are heady words because you're talking about a group of people who um, probably were not well-to-do. Were probably on the lower end of the social spectrum. And here he's throwing around big words about royal priesthood and 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 and, 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 and heavenly things that I'm sure does not cross their day-to-day lives. They're mired in the mundane. But Peter says, no, oh, no, 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 no. You are much more than that. And you always will be. And that's, that's hard for people to get out of their own way and recognize that when God calls us to these magnificent things, is a, a priesthood, a royalty. When you don't feel royal and you don't feel very priestly most of the time, But when you're called into that, you recognize that you're empowered in a way that allows you to do at least some things that uh, take us out of our present circumstances and what we kind of think of who we might be into what God thinks that we might be. And the reason that that's important is because how it reflects to the rest of the folks around us. That's why he says you've been taken out of the darkness into the light. And what does the light bring? Sight, you can see things in the light. The reason that this is important for us is, back in the day, as I'd mentioned, there was heavy persecution of the people of faith and they're looking for something to hold on to that allowed them to have hope and faith they were they were being hunted down in in Rome as i told you they were they were literally being slaughtered and so when you see the you know People in your church slowly disappear as they go to prison. Are tortured. And killed. You might wonder what is it that. That I'm holding on to. Is it that important. That's a good question. In the public arena. It's always a good question. Does the hassle. Is it worth what it is that we believe? Today, we're not put in that position. But in a lot of cases, we're painted with a different brush. When we're called a peaceful uh, of faith, In certain areas, there's a sense that people look sideways at you as like, well, you're one of those. You're one of those heartless, judgmental, intolerant bigots. And uh, it hurts. It's just words, but... Um, if you've ever been put on the spot in that way, and I've been put on the spot in that way, I'm sure a few of you have been put on the spot that way. You just think it's just this is just not fair. You can't, you don't know what you're talking about. And they, oh, I don't want to hear it because people are set in their ways, and they think, well, if you if you're one of those church people, then you must be one of those that's out there wanting to persecute everyone. And that's, though there are some who I believe earn that title there, that crazy church in Kansas that holds up the nasty signs about, about everything, about gays and people of color. And you're like, why be so... Nasty. God was never nasty towards anyone. But anyway, that's what they carry with them. And uh, understanding that if we, as a people of faith, get put in the same category as that, how is it that we can possibly respond to such short, closed-sightedness? And I always think that the that the the best defense is is a good offense and what I mean by that is it's, it's it, you, you can't respond in words because people who already think that you're you're close-minded are really the ones that are close-minded because they're not thoughtful in their arguments they're just nasty in their responses because they have an agenda and they say this this is how we want life to be and if you're going to live in this world then this is how you've got to see it but it's not like that and that's where the friction comes in that's where the tension is we we battle constantly with that so how do you combat that well the way that we combat that is not with words we don't try to convince somebody about the love of Jesus Christ and what that means and about that we're all sinners and how it is that we respond to that what that what we're called to do first of all is don't apologize the gospel stands for itself and you don't have to apologize for it but you live your faith you live your faith you You be extravagantly loving. You be irrationally generous. You do the things that God has called us to do in order to show what his blessings do for us. We're not going to be known as Jesus followers for what we're against. We're going to be known as Jesus followers for who we stand for for what we believe in. It says in uh, verse 15. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have to back up. I didn't read the main scripture yet. We're going to uh, verse 11. So this, that's the scripture I've got on the screen. This is the main scripture. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the days that he visits us. live the life. Live the life that he's called us to live and people will see that. Now even in the midst of living out our faith you will be ridiculed. Even if you do good and what is right you will be called a hypocrite or you'll be made fun of because they'll think that you're you're fake. (coughs) And people get Jealous of happy people. Have you ever noticed that? People get jealous if you're filled with joy because of their struggles. And they're going to. Man. On a few occasions in my life. I've had to deal with I'm pretty much a happy guy. Most of the time. Am I a happy guy, Chloe? Am I a happy guy? No. Yeah. Thank you. Did I tell you that she got the lead in the school musical? And she's National Honor Society president. Mazel tov. We're going to elect her queen next. Of Indiana. Um, but just being a happy guy, some people will try and bring it down. I, I've had fraternity brothers that way. I've had uh, sergeants over me in the army that way. I've had people in my church that way. It's like you're not living in reality. And so if you're joyful, even in the midst of all of the struggles that are going on in your life and in the world, you must be fake. And I don't mind dealing with fraternity brothers, and I don't mind dealing with sergeants. It's when people in my own church, not this church, no one here has ever done this. This was a few churches ago, and I won't say where it was at, North Judson, but... They just kept telling me that you know i i i 'm not dealing in reality, and i 'm like man i'm i 'm as about as real as it gets it's not that i 'm not dealing with reality it's I, I, it doesn't get me down because Jesus died for me, and they was so when I realized, man we got a lot of work to do in this church if we haven 't figured that out if we haven 't figured out that we got a savior that died for our sins. So that we could be before the Father and make it into heaven, we haven't figured that out. Then we got a lot of work to do, and uh, it's it's a struggle because it's not fakery. It's it's a lightheartedness, and you're not supposed to hide that. But people still f- they they fight back against that. So you just keep at it. You have to be consistent. You're going to have bad days, and but but. For the most part, you be consistent, you be rationally loving, you be incredibly generous, and you serve, and you live your life, and when you're consistent like that, then people will see that, and you will save some. You will save some. It It is all of our mission field, and it is about our lives so you know I belong to the VFW I go there on occasion to schmooze with the with the real heroes and uh, there's a there's a gentleman there and I you know I always walk in and I've always got a kind word because it's just kind of how I am and uh, and there's always one guy that would sit there with his arms crossed and, and he'd say, who invited you? Who invited you? He just kept saying that over and over again. And then he'd get his little laugh and then he'd kind of start uh, picking on me and, and said, I didn't know pastors could drink. And I said, well, now you do. I said, but there's there's a thing called control, and that's what I'm here to show you, because obviously you don't got it. And then he'd be, that was the wrong thing to say. It set us back a couple of weeks. (laughs) But, bit by bit, time after time, come in there. Who invited you? What makes you so happy? I said, man, I'm living the dream. What's wrong with that? What, what dream are you living? And, and then one day he said, hey, I need a favor. I'm like, uh-oh. And he said, my wife has cancer. And I said, could you pray for her? I said, absolutely. We want, we'll want pray for her right now. No, 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 we didn't pray right now. He said, no, we're going to pray for her right now. Put my hand on his shoulder, prayed for his wife. A couple of weeks later, he comes in and his wife's there. And I said, you lady with cancer? And he says, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you right here and now. And uh, we're going to lay hands on you. And I got a couple of people around the bar and we laid hands on her we prayed for her. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. When you love who people love, they'll love you back. Next week I come in, And he said, I know I was going to say this, but I'm telling you right now, I'm inviting you to be here. I said, well then, (laughs) then that's a win. I'm trying to get him to come in these doors. This may take a few years, so you're going to have to bear with me. But I firmly believe that uh, in a few years, one of these pews are going to be filled with a bunch of old dudes wearing VFW hats. I just believe that. It's about the consistency of your life. And people understand you're going to have bad days. Hmm. I'll have bad days. There's some times I'm not the jolly happy person that you see all the time. What's so interesting is even. So I, I can be serious sometimes. And when I'm serious, people think I'm mad. Because I'm usually so jokey and lighthearted. So if I'm serious about something. They think I'm mad. <clears throat> I said, no, I'm not mad. This is a funeral. I'm trying to be serious. It's... And, and that happened to me not all that long ago when I was in, at a funeral and I was being pastorly and they, one of the family of the deceased came up and said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he said, lighten up. And I said, oh, okay. It's, it's your funeral. So I have to watch that and make sure that people understand that. Verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're all going to go through some suffering. That's just kinda of the the way it is. It's not that you're you get a get out of pain free car. That does not come with the faith. It's not a prosperity gospel. You will find times of suffering. Maybe your health, maybe something going on at work, things aren't gonna be... maybe you don't get the the promotion you thought. <laughs> Excuse me, you were supposed to get maybe a loved one turns their back on you because they're mad at God and you represented God to them. And it pains you and 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 love them anyway. That's one of the things that I've one of the best advice advice that I've ever been given. I'm having trouble speaking this morning. It's the time change. It's thrown us all off. I'm not supposed to be preaching for another hour, and yet here I am. One of the best advice, some of the best advice I ever got, was from a senior pastor I had when I was in conflict with somebody at the church. And Man, I was bound and determined that I was right and that they were wrong. And they always got the last word because, you know, I had to be nice and they didn't have to be nice. And the senior pastor looked at me and he said, yeah, you're going to get those in every church. Every church you serve, there's going to be somebody that just goes contrary to you and they're going to tell you. And And he put his hand On my shoulder, and he said, Love them anyway. And I'm like, (laughs) Love them anyway. How does that look? How does that affect us? God gave us the example through his son, Jesus Christ, and this is what Peter said in verse 22. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins. In his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. See, the secret is that Jesus did all the work for us. because he did that we're called to a different way, a different understanding, a different standard. Not that you're perfect, but you're motivated in a different way by 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 love, by gratitude. It keeps us going. I I've, I've been motivated by anger and bitterness, and that's exhausting. Isn't it? It's exhausting. When you hold onto a grudge, it's like having your hand so tight. It's exhausting. But gratitude and love, the open hand, it's how we live life naturally. We're not called to be normal. In the normal world, when somebody does you dirty, you do it right back at them. You retaliate. And in fact, it says in verse 9, chapter 3, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. One of the things that's not always understood is when you turn the other cheek, when you go the extra mile, when you give your cloak to someone who takes your coat, You're blessed. God blesses you directly, which is kind of the opposite of the prosperity gospel, but he's more in our suffering than he is any other time of our life. He's always there comforting us, loving us, affirming us, assuring us that we are not alone. That's why we live different. We live as a grateful people. We're blessed to get together, to sing the songs that we sing, to fellowship, to focus on the one true God who gave us all that we would need and in a world that fights against it someday, in a time where it's, it's, it's more sexy to, to get in the last word than it is to smile and love, he provides the inheritance. We play the long game. We play the long game, where are we going? to eternity with Christ Jesus. We are called to love and to serve and to give and to bless. Not to get the better of people. And we do that consistently. And some people Whom you walk with, who may have persecuted you or belittled you or demeaned you, they may see the light. And that's one of the greatest gifts you can ever receive. Be loving, be grace filled, be charitable. Be a blessing, be consistent, and you will be blessed. Let us pray. Lord, let us not look down, but let us look up. Let us not be a condescending people, for we have all fallen short, every single one of us. Our sin is no better or worse, but we know, O Lord, where to be cleansed, where we can be forgiven. And it is in the forgiveness and repentance that we place our hope and trust. When we pray the prayer that your son taught us, within that is daily hope that you will be in front of us providing, loving, blessing. It is why we place such hope in your word. As Peter speaks to us through the generations, O Lord, may it resonate with our hearts in such a way that we can live these lives that you've called us to live. For it is you that emboldens. It is you that empowers. You reflect through us. We walk in the light. Hear us now, Lord, as we pray pray as your son taught us when he taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.